0: Love Talk Radio
1: Hello everybody, welcome to another edition of the R Week Show. This is R fan Jerry and we are heading into week three of the college football season and game number three for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, who will be traveling out to the Penn State. Minton Lions been making that first trip in a long time for uh, many Scarlet Night fans as uh, it's been a, a game and a trip that probably uh, I know myself I'm excited as I'm going out there and a lot of us have been looking forward to it for a very long time. Unfortunately of course uh, Rutgers is having a very difficult time off the field and, and it has taken away a lot of the I guess focus and excitement of, of this matchup of of making this trip out to um, happy Valley uh in, in another tumultuous week to say the least in Scarlet Nightland. as as um, first uh, the star wide receiver of Rutgers, uh, Leonte Carew uh, word came out that was involved in an incident outside of the stadium after the Saturday night loss uh, to Washington state, uh, a domestic violence uh, issue where um, he was obviously not playing this week and, and, just a blow beyond any blow, considering all of the incidents that already had taken place uh, over the last two weeks in terms of uh, some of the, uh, I guess, criminal activity uh, that that has uh, uh, been around the program. And then uh, just uh, yesterday, the resolution of the email investigation where Kyle Flood uh, had a we uh, properly contacted a, a member of the faculty regarding uh, uh, maybe Barnwell, who's also no longer with the team, and, and he was uh, then suspended for three games. So in this show, obviously, there's a lot of things to talk about. Uh, I'm pretty excited that uh, we're going to have um, Sam Hellman from uh, scout.com to come on and uh, talk a little bit of football because... Uh, I'll be honest, it's, you know, I've been reading uh, all these different types of um, articles that are national now. You know, uh, pretty much uh, the national media piling on Rutgers. And, and um, you know, that's not to say they don't deserve it, but uh, it certainly is, has been tough to be a Rutgers fan. And um, I'm also looking forward to have some uh, um, of the Black Shoes Diary uh website, uh, some callers talking about from the Penn State perspective and I'll get their views on on, on the football side of things and open up the show in the second half, 914 1694 for callers that want to call, call in and uh, you know, give me your thoughts on on what you think is going on with Rutgers. Uh, uh, you know, perhaps whether you feel the Kyle Flood punishment was too harsh, or whether you feel um, Rutgers is getting a little bit too much attention in the national press for this, and also the handling of of Rutgers with uh, uh, the administration and how they're going about this. Uh, so uh, that's the second half of the show. I know a lot of people want to vent, so definitely, um, uh, you know, <laughs> take the opportunity to call in and. Uh, you know, we'll hear your piece. But uh, first, without further ado, I want to welcome uh, Sam back to the show. Sam, how are you doing?
2: I am uh, doing well. You know, I, let me tell you something, brother. I uh, can't wait to actually talk about football instead of all the other nonsense going on.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I had you on two weeks ago, and, and you know, we were dealing with uh, the suspensions and, and obviously the, the initial arrests and, and some of those, Things that you know—it's you know—it's just not what we're used to around here, around this program, and um, it just seems uh, to 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 never stop. And and the new Ant- the Monte Caru incident was just baffling. I think uh, and, and something totally unexpected, and it just seems to be uh, <laughs> uh, an unbelievable time. And uh, I you know I got to ask you, I guess you know regarding that incident, you know the some some reports that originally came out that that. You know, this happened. I guess you know, right after the game, about 45 minutes after the game. But uh, you know, there was a Washington State reporter who had mentioned that there was some fights outside of the stadium. Or, um, I mean, I don't know if you were there around the press area after the game. Uh, you know, was was it kind of a little bit more unruly of a situation than, than normal?
2: You know, I, uh, it is an ongoing uh, legal investigation, so I don't want to go into too much detail. But what I would say is that, from my perspective, I saw nothing. But as soon as I finish with my interviews, I'm heading right back to the press box, which is really the complete opposite direction of where this incident allegedly took place. From my understanding, what the uh, alleged victim said today in the Bergen record, it's pretty similar to what I heard happened. Obviously, the victim is going to skew you know, the, the uh, details in her favor. That's just the way anything works, so I look forward to... Uh, hearing eventually what Leonte Carew and his legal team were able to say, he did plead not guilty, which is important, and he'll have his day in court to uh, tell his side of the story.
1: Yeah, and you're right. I mean, we've obviously all – a very hard situation to piece together. You know, it's all secondhand and, and you know, uh those were involved. It's not something that the story is really able to put together at this time. You know, bottom line is he won't be playing Saturday and, and Rutgers has to go out there and uh you know put together a game plan um both without Carew uh, and now a, a plan that's gonna be executed without their head coach uh, Kyle Flood. So um Norris Wilson is gonna be the I guess acting coach uh in for the next three games. Uh and You know, what is your feel, I guess, in terms of the preparation and focus of the team right now heading into a game that probably, just like us fans, these players were looking forward to uh, making that trip out there and obviously still are looking forward to. uh, But, you know, what's your sense of of the preparation of the team?
3: This team is focused, Jerry. There's no question. Uh, These guys, they all have Twitter pages. They all have Facebook. They see what's being said about their program, and frankly, they don't like it and they look at Saturday as a chance to say, you guys are wrong. Our head coach is a guy that we believe in, and we're going to show you why against Penn State. I-, I see this team is very focused. It's going to be an emotionally charged game for them. Now, are they going to be able to compete at Happy Valley? That's another question. Penn State is a solid team that's had its own struggles. But when you talk about the focus, it's definitely there, and I think that Norris Wilson is the perfect man for the job. He's level-headed, he's been a head coach before, and he's not a play caller, which allows everyone else to fill into their normal game day roles.
1: Right, and that's a great point. Um obviously the former head coach of Columbia. Uh, he has experience as a head coach. Uh, he, he's in a familiar situation with obviously the team and the players, and like you said, he, he's not... In jumping into a role in terms of play calling where he was uh, you know maybe Kyle Floyd was the one doing that before. So um obviously McDonald's still calling the plays and McDaniel, well, sorry. We in the situation now that both you have a new wide receiver that's going to be starting or obviously uh Aguedoce who's uh, was in the place of, of uh of um Peru in the first half of the first game um, do you see any game planning that's that's going to change in terms of, you know, perhaps maybe getting Grant in and more
2: involved in the offense? Yeah, you know, I I, I really respect Carlton Nagadosi. He has worked as hard as anybody the last four years to get where he is, but to be honest, he's not Leonte Carew, so you have to change the game plan. At this point, your most explosive athletes are Josh Hicks and Janarian Grant, so that's where the game plan has to focus. Uh, when Carlton Agadosi started for Leontay Crew in the opener after that first suspension, his role was mostly as a blocker. Now, now, he is 6'6", and he can run, and he does not like Penn State. And you add all three of those together, and I see a red zone target. But overall, I think that this comes down to Janarian Grant and Josh Hicks making plays.
1: Now, in terms of, uh, you know, it's a good point about yeah, the the. Team being focused and, and also wanting to go out there and prove wrong. I mean, they're, they're ten point underdogs, and I'm sure that that doesn't, uh, you know, resonate too well with a lot of people. Um, in in players like Agrodosi, you know, here's an opportunity. You have opportunities to to step in and and put yourself uh, in, a, in an opportunity to shine, especially on the road, and especially at, it's an eight o'clock game, prime time, Big Ten Network. So I think there's definitely a lot of motivation out there some um, players. Uh, you, know, you mentioned Josh Hicks, and, and you know Hicks is now two games in a row where he's kind of assumed the role really of the lead back. Um, as talented as Paul James is, he just seems to not be able to shake that uh, injury bug. What is the latest word on James in terms of his availability?
2: I expect Paul James to have the same role as usual. The way that Coach Flood has approached this game plan. really is based on what Norris Wilson does in the running back room, so I don't really expect any changes there. Uh, Paul James will be pretty close to healthy, and what you're going to see is you're going to see James get a series, Hicks get a series, Martin get a series. And after that, whomever has the hottest hand, he's going to be the guy they ride that's been Josh Hicks through two weeks. I think it's going to be Josh Hicks again. He just has that gamer mentality, and he's been really impressive so far.
1: Now, looking at the uh, depth chart, uh, you know it's 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 still uh, in terms of the offensive line: Lumpkin, Miller, Nelson, Muller, Denmark, Demin. Sorry, and then you know obviously we have Agudosi and Patton coming in at the wide receivers. We'll see a lot of Grant um, and the tight end. uh, You know, which has been actually uh, a a pleasant surprise. I think with the play of Matt Flanagan, uh, Archie Akaroa is also in the picture. What do you think in terms of? The tough question in quarterback play, if, let's say, Chris Lamiano is struggling, does Norris Wilson, does he have the empowerment, or is it someone else making that decision, or is Kyle Flood calling in on the phone um, in case a quarterback change needs to be made? What's your what's your thoughts on that?
2: It's a good question,
3: and it's one that I would have loved to ask Norris Wilson this week, but... He hasn't been available to the media. His first interview will be Saturday after
2: the game. My prediction is that he'll treat this game exactly like Kyle Flood would. Kyle Flood trusts Norris Wilson, uh, the team trusts Norris Wilson, and to me that means Chris Laviano has a long leash. If we see five or six interceptions like Gary Nova did against Penn State last year, then he's out of there. But I think that Laviano is going to be the guy, and I think they're going to stick with him.
1: Yeah. Okay, yeah. Because, well, hopefully we don't see those five or six in- interceptions uh...
2: <laughs> Uh, You
1: mentioned that he was not available. I mean, for those who don't know, I think Rutgers, um, I guess after the announcement of flood, basically closed off uh, all media contact, right, uh, for their practices, the last couple of practices heading into this. And I guess that will go through also on Friday, right, as well? Uh,
2: Yeah, the typical week... Uh, media, you know, Monday through Thursday we get pretty good access. Fridays are always closed. It's usually a quick walk walk through, and then they hop on the bus to either the airport or to their road destination. This week, uh, after Monday, after the Leonte Carew incident and arrest, everything shut down. I think at that point, flood as well as the media all knew what was about to happen when it came to uh, a decision on the email investigation. And between that and you know, it's no secret that. Uh, Rutgers has been butting heads with the media with uh, certain coverage and how things have been going. And that, you know, perfect storm of events means uh, no media access this week.
1: Yeah, and I think probably also, uh, you know, a, a, an opportunity to close rank. And, and, you know, like we talked earlier, uh, you know, when things go, you know, your your family or, you know, then Rutgers likes to preach to the family concept. Uh, uh, when you get getting attacked you kind of, you know, hunker down and, and bring yourself together. I think uh, we have a little bit of that. Now, of course, just looking back at last week, a, a tough, tough loss uh, in in the way that it, it took place, obviously right after the generic grand uh, amazing uh, performance he put and, in, in, you know, putting that go-ahead touchdown with the punt return. And, and then Rutgers unable to, to shut down Washington State in that last drive as uh, uh, Luke Falk, um, you know, basically, uh, you know, took him right down the field. Uh, You know, in terms of the defense, I think, again, it's going to be a huge loss uh, when you look at Darius Hamilton not being there again and thinking back to the game that he had last year, uh, putting pressure uh, on Penn State last year, and then obviously the the struggles that Penn State had in their first game of the season. uh, uh, You know, what are you thinking in terms of how he can be replaced, if at all? Are they planning to bring a little more pressure? You know, what are your thoughts on that?
2: They're going to have to bring pressure this week, Jerry, because with the secondary that they have right now, you give Christian Hackenberg enough time in the pocket, and he's going to pick you apart. So to me, you have to look at how weak that Penn State offensive line is, and you just have to say, screw it, let's go after him, let's go after him all day. If we get beat on one in one-on-one coverage, so be it. Uh, I think Julian Penix-Odrick is up to the challenge of replacing Darius Hamilton. He's already looked pretty darn good in replacing him so far and keep in mind that his older brother played at Penn State. He's got a little uh little extra incentive this weekend in Happy Valley.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. Um uh you know during last week I had a uh someone actually sent a tweet out to me about you know, having an opportunity to talk about the, the actual defensive backs and cornerbacks that are out there. And I think it was tough to talk about them after the Norfolk State as, you know, they rotated a lot of guys and, and you, you weren't sure. But, you know, we obviously saw a little bit more last week, uh, you know, that Isaiah Wharton is obviously going to be in there, um, uh, you know, and on one side and bless on Austin. Um, uh, you know, give us a little bit of, of I guess, you know, a little profile on, on these players and some of the other guys that we may see, like like Jarrett Adams, um, as well as you know, even Ronnie James listed in, in in the depth chart this week.
2: Sure, you know, it's it's really it's a bunch of young bucks back there, and it's really not easy to step in and play right away at corner. You you look at the the best corners in Rutgers history. You look at your McCourties. You look at your Logan Ryan. You look at Marcus Cooper, even the converted wide receiver guys like that. Every single one of them didn't come into that feature role until their second or third season. Um, you know, guys like Logan Ryan and Jason McCourty were forced into action a little early, and and they struggled because of it. But then as they got that experience, they were really good. And and I expect the same thing with these guys. Bless on Austin, to me, is right up there with guys like Logan Ryan when you talk about pure NFL talent at the position but he needs more experience. Um, Isaiah Wharton, I'm still not sure if he's a corner or a safety. Uh, he he could fit in either one. I give him a lot of credit against Washington State. I thought he had a very good game. He did really well shaking off those wide receiver blocks, the line of scrimmage on the bubble screens. You know, I, it, they're young, and it's going to show, but they, they've worked hard so far, and I think that eventually something's going to click for them.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a great point. I mean, obviously looking back to how the program was was the foundation of the program, uh, you know, Greg Sciano is a defensive back coach, and uh, his defense uh, was predicated on on corners being cover guys that can cover man-to-man. I mean, for those that are fans, uh, you know, we always heard people complaining about the guys not turning around and (laughs) – it, it, the idea, though, is that you will cover these guys man to man. And what was interesting is as they go on, when you see guys like Cooper go into the NFL and do well, and you're wondering, well, you know, that's because these guys were put on an island and at Rutgers and they had to cover man to man. The NFL is just about man to man, but also support against the run. And it's a great point where you mentioned uh, both Devin McCourty and, and Logan Ryan were redshirted, and you know, right now Rutgers has four. Freshman class, freshmen. Uh, Wharton is a redshirt freshman, but basically, uh, you know, Wharton's the second player. But two, three other true freshmen at the cornerback position. I mean, it's it's a difficult task that they have at hand.
2: It is difficult, and I think that's why you know people were so frustrated with Joe Rossi last week. I don't blame him. Uh, you, you can't rush more than three or four guys with such a young secondary. Um, and so when you drop those extra guys in coverage that's why you don't get any pressure on the quarterback your only other option is to go for the blitz and when you do that you're leaving Isaiah Wharton in one-on-one coverage all day and he's going to get beat if that happens so it's really a tough situation for Joe Rossi he's lost so many DBs the last 2 years you really got to feel for him and feel for that defense at times but you know what it's football you lose people and it's you got to find a way to get it done
1: yeah i think i think uh you know you're you're right in that I guess what was frustrating was kind of watching it happen, especially in that last drive where at a certain point like you kind of said it earlier where you just say, Screw it, let's send some people and whatever happens, happens because uh there's nothing worse than just being picked apart, uh, you know, particularly in those situations where there was enough time um for them to score. So um, you know, I guess the offensive some of the the style of Penn State, it's obviously a little, you know, a lot different than than the uh, past happy attack of, of Washington State, but um, in terms of Penn State's game plan, what, what do you see them doing uh, in, in attacking uh, the weaknesses of the Rutgers?
3: Yeah, you know, I think Penn State is going to have to be better in the running game this year. Last year, Penn State was terrible on the ground against Rutgers, and it really led to Hackenberg getting beat up, and that defense really shut Penn State down for, well, for
2: uh, the first three quarters. Uh, This year I think that Penn State is going to try and, you know, do pull out every trick in the book to keep the Rutgers defense off of Hackenberg. Quick plays, screens, slants. I think you're going to see those quick strike, you know, a little West Coast here and there because, you know, everyone knows where Rutgers is vulnerable and everyone knows where Rutgers is strong as a defense, and the trick is – Attack that secondary and do it before you get sacked.
1: Yeah, it's a very important Well, we'll see how this shakes out, and um, I appreciate Sam you coming on and, and talking um, some football. I mean, I'll be honest; like even for myself, it, it it really didn't hit me. And I'm making a trip out there, so I um, I'm been looking forward to this for such a long time, but really didn't hit me until today that, you know, we're going to be going out to Penn State and, you know, they have this whole strikeout and it's going to be just an amazing experience for all the fans that are going out there. And unfortunately the events of the week really took away from talking about the fact that Rutgers is playing Penn State and, and, you know, it's something we didn't think about 10, 15 years ago. So, uh, you know, I'm just excited to get it going from that point. So I appreciate you coming on and uh, talking some football.
3: Yeah, no problem. It, it's always good
2: to talk football, and, and I'd add that uh, just so your listeners know, we we, uh, we have a uh, buy one month, get one free over on ScarletReport.com right now, where we're trying to tw- switch the focus over to football. You know, people have questions about this email stuff, this suspension stuff, and I'm happy to answer them. But at the end of the day, this is a football team, and you know what? I can't wait for Saturday.
1: Definitely appreciate it. Well, Sam, thanks for coming on the show, and I um, uh, hope to have you again on in the future.
2: Definitely, thanks, Jerry.
1: So again, that's uh, Sam Holman, who's over at the ScholarReport.com, which is a uh, a a scout website. And check that out when you guys have a chance. The coverage, and um, I'm a friend of all the. You know, we talk about all the different various issues that most of us fans have with the primary coverage um, from the state newspaper, which is. uh, really now no longer, you know, it's it's really done online at com, but the Star Ledger. And, um, the, you know, the truth is, and, and when the national media picks up a lot of these stories about Rutgers, and, and they do it because they know Rutgers has a big following, and there's a lot of people that are interested in it, and, and there's no mistake that when these articles are out there, they know they're going to get a certain amount of interest in it. Uh, that's why, people kind of ask the question, like why a lot of this is being so not blown out. I shouldn't say blown out because it, what's gone on, it's really unacceptable, but unfortunately I hate to use it as a line, but this is not out of place in college football. Um, and certainly those who are calling for the firing of a coach uh, for, I, I can't tell you I've ever heard of a football coach fired for something like this. So it's, it's interesting, but um, support, you know, some of these, sites that are out there obviously like you know we talk about scholarport.com uh i always have uh, uh scholar and and on and, and there's a lot of information and in, out there for people who want to read and, and uh, you know follow the team um without always having to deal with headlines that are just clearly clearly meant to agitate a uh, fan base so without further ado i want to uh, move on to talking again about uh uh pack records and, and Penn State games so I want to welcome uh, Bill from the uh Black Shoes Diary. Uh, Bill, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, thanks for having me on. How you doing?
1: Very good, very good. Um I know you guys also do a podcast series over there, so I appreciate you uh uh jumping on the show. Of course your site is part of uh, uh the SB Nation um uh network and uh you know tell me a little bit about this perspective of um the Penn State fans, I know there's always been talk, you know, at least from the Rutgers side, you know, there's been a rivalry. And I know a lot of Penn State fans are obviously, uh, you, you know, you have an old school base there that, you know, still, you know, prefers not to think of it in that way. Uh, but, you know, you know, Ohio State and Michigan are still rivals. And, um, you know, is this game starting to catch on, at least from the perspective of some Penn State fans, considering the, the uh, geography and a lot of the, Players and recruiting that that takes place between the two teams.
0: Yeah, I'd say certainly. Um, I think with every Big Ten program, um, the eventual goal is um, to be going at it on and off the football field with Ohio State because they're Ohio State, and maybe Michigan. Um, you know, that's been a little bit easier lately, but. In the future, of Michigan programs like Michigan State and Penn State is pretty used to being up in that area. Um, of course, there have been a myriad of things that have led to uh, the Nittany Lions kind of taking a step back. And Rutgers, I—I'll I, be the first to admit, I love cracking a good joke about Rutgers. Uh, I'm I'm a Jersey guy originally, so uh, it's always been uh always been fun to make uh make jokes about the schools that my friends went to, and even though they could fire it back at me, but Rutgers, for the past couple of years, I mean, really ever since um, those Ray Rice and Brian Leonard days uh, under Greg Schiano, has turned into, gone from a bit of a laughing soccer program to a pretty respectable one. So if I had to guess what Penn State's kind of view on Rutgers is, um, I'd probably say I don't want to go rival um, just because I feel like with a rivalry, you ha- it has to be against a team that you're playing against every year for a ton of years, and it's you and them always coming down for recruits. There's bad blood, but I-, I think there is a bit of a perception that a game against Rutgers really means a lot for the program, uh, kind of for what you just said, um, especially in recruiting. I mean, New Jersey is on the East Coast, other than Florida, that is the state that you want to get inroads in. So I think this game means a lot. Um, You know, it's a night game at Beaver Stadium, which um, those don't happen unless someone thinks it's a big game. Uh, I know Penn State has a couple of uh, interesting little quirks up its sleeve for how it's going to get some fan involvement up. And, yeah, I I think it should really be a fun one between um, a new program that's rising in in the Big Ten and a program that's been in the Big Ten for a while that's, trying to get back to that upper echelon.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great point. Uh, and the the fans, Bethany Rutgers fans making the trip out there who haven't already been to Penn State, but it's, just, it's a much different trip than it was in the past in the sense yeah. that, you know, in this particular day, maybe it's not the best situation. You're without your coach, your best player. Uh, but, you know, we saw the game last year, and, it, and it's, you know, on a pretty even field in terms of, what the expectations are of the game. So it's definitely a much different um, way than it was. But, you know, you bring up your the point you're a Jersey guy and, and you know, so much uh, is done with the recruiting. I mean, in terms of even one of the big, uh, I guess you can say, complaints about Kyle Floyd over the last couple of, of classes is that he's been unable to bring in the top players in the state. And, and you mentioned the talent that's in New Jersey where Rutgers you know he's a team that went 8 and 5 last year obviously we were destroyed in the big games and and part of that's because they lack the top flight players that go to other programs and you know Penn State uh frankly did a good job of the last two years of bringing some of those players that that kind of Shiano had shut down of going to Penn State and uh you see those um uh battles having you know Franklin you know winning over flood. Now let's talk a little bit about some of the New Jersey players that are on Penn State that may have an impact in this game. Obviously uh uh we you know is a player wide receiver who uh uh was one of the last players to turn and and uh decommit from the Rutgers program a couple years ago. Uh you have uh the tight end uh Gisecki, um you know, any other guys that you see from Penn State side of the ball that, are, that will have an impact on our Jersey guys in this game?
0: Yeah, um, the big guy that I think is going to have a huge impact. Uh, there are a few guys. Mike Kusecki, like you mentioned, is an ultra-talented tight end. He had some issues with the drops last week against Buffalo, but he was also mm-hmm. playing in a monsoon, so I think we could write that off as a bit of an anomaly. Uh, Brandon Bell is a linebacker. I think he's from Mays Landing. He's a really talented guy. I mean, in Penn State, there's a certain aura that comes from wearing the number 11 jersey as a linebacker, and he was the guy who was bestowed that honor. And he he's had some issues staying healthy, but if he's healthy, he can. he's certainly a guy who is a great leader and just a great all-around linebacker. But the big guy that I think from New Jersey who can make an impact in this game, and he's the guy that everyone in Happy Valley is talking about, former Rutgers commit, actually, uh, Saquon Barkley, a running back out of Whitehall, Pennsylvania. Um, The reviews of him from the time that fall uh, summer camp started was he was just able to do things that other running backs on the roster can't do. Not because they're not talented, just because he's so good. Uh, Really didn't get much run in Penn State's game against Temple, but last week against Buffalo, he came in uh, and really started to consistently get touches Sometime in the second half, and he, he just balled out. 12 carries, 115 yards, one touchdown. And he, he just has everything you want in a running back. I mean, names of past really great Penn State running backs, seen guys like Evan Royster, um, Larry Johnson, Kurt Warner, Tijana Carter have been thrown around talking about this kid. Whether or not that's fair, I don't know. But I think that he is going to have a chance to. Um, you know, have people outside of Happy Valley know that this kid, he could just straight-up ball. And I certainly think that, at least for some of the older players, um, that there was a little bit of bad blood last year with them going back to uh, Rutgers. I remember there were those fans that made the enemy of the state sign, and I know that really didn't go over well. So I do think a lot of the guys in New Jersey are going to have that extra chip in their shoulder. Then again, they're going to be the guys on Rutgers who have an extra chip on their shoulder. For you know, these guys left their home state. This is their Jersey guys that go to the Jersey school. That that mindset. And I I really am interested to see if maybe a couple of the Jersey guys on the Rutgers sideline and a few of the Jersey guys on the Penn State sideline are a little more um, a little more vocal than they usually are.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, and, and, you know, not to mention Rutgers has also had Penn, Pennsylvania players um, and does on the yeah. roster as well. Um, but yes, you know, I do remember Barkley's commitment and um, seeing the tape and, and people were pretty excited about what they had in him, um, you know, what they thought they were going to have in him, I should say. So um, be interesting to see from that perspective. Now, you know, I talked over with Sam a little bit about obviously uh, the, some of the key facts of this game. I mean, uh from Rutgers' perspective, at least from my perspective, I think a big issue is, uh, well, obviously not having Carew, uh, but the defensive side of not having uh, Darius Hamilton, who who had a very good game last year and put a lot of pressure on on Hackenberg. And you have that situation now where, you know, he's not there and you're trying to cover up for a young secondary. Uh, You know, what do you, you know, now, you know, Rutgers, uh, Penn State is not – Washington State is going to toss the ball around the field 66 yeah. times. But what do you see in terms of tweaking uh, the game plan for um, Penn State and attacking uh, you know, the weakness in the secondary?
0: Yeah, and that was um, – like, I think I would probably argue that just within the context of this game, the biggest, the bigger loss for Rutgers is Hamilton. I mean, I going into this game, he was someone that I was horrified of just because, like you said, he – he throws people around on in the interior of the offensive line, and Penn State's interior offensive line has struggled a bit this year. So, like, him being out is a bit of a big deal. I, I think that uh, Quentin Gauss and Steve Wonga are spectacular linebackers. Um, I know that there's been a lot of chatter around here about Kemco Turai. Uh, is
1: that how you say his name? <laughs> uh, yeah, you got it.
0: Yeah. I, I'm, I'm Jersey Now the names are tough for me, you know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and him off the edge is going to be a bit of an issue. But I think the fact that, um, that i with a little bit of maybe confidence that comes from such a good defensive tackle being out of the game, I wouldn't be surprised to see Penn State try to attack the inside of that Rutgers line. And then this is something that I. Heard, you no, know, I heard you on before saying this and um this is some a lot of people have been saying around here, but the inexperience in Rutgers secondary. I mean Penn State has made it a point to um really go after wide receivers that are that, that have good speed but above everything else they're big, they're physical, they're guys who are gonna go up high point ball and pull it in. So I'm really I, I think the game plan for Penn State has to be let Hackenberg get into some kind of a rhythm and really test that secondary. If I'm Rutgers, of course, I'm bringing as much pressure as humanly possible because as we saw um, last year, I mean, there's just speed and athleticism and agility all over that Rutgers front seven that can make Hackenberg's life a living hell. And we saw that also against Temple. So there's like, that that's going to be the chess match. How does Penn State react to Rutgers bringing pressure, and if Penn State is able to, like, handle Rutgers with that pressure, do they then maybe throw some guys, extra guys, out into the secondary and maybe try and lock things down out there and just let Hackenberg sit in the pocket and trust people can get to them? Then on the other side of the ball, I mean, Penn State has shown, um, under Bob shoots defense, that um, shutting down running games is kind of something it hangs its hat on. Um Plus the fact that um and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, Paul James isn't at one hundred percent. Um Right. Yeah.
1: I don't think we're used like, to ever seeing him at hundred percent.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh and then Josh Hicks is a fine running back. That is, is uh, Robert Martin, so I I I that's I, I think Rutgers really needs to rely on running the ball. I mean, I think Chris Laviano and Aiden Reddick are both Fine quarterbacks, but I I really don't think we know how good or bad Rutgers' offense really is, and we also don't know how good or bad, for the most part, defense is because Washington State, you know, that team does not run the football; they only pass it. So right now, if you just look at the numbers, Rutgers has a terrible passing defense and a an outstanding rushing defense. Are they as good right. or as Except bad? By the yeah. way, probably, yeah.
1: It's a statistical, yeah. Things are definitely skewed from that game in terms of, of yeah. Of, you know, you're, you're not going to be running again. Now, in ten sacks, obviously in the first game of the season, Penn State uh, gave up. Uh, that was a big story. Um, I know there was some injuries on the line. Um, what are you? Is, is the? Are there any moves being made uh, and in terms of uh, injuries? How are is the offensive line uh, heading into this game?
0: Yeah, so um, with regards to injuries, Penn State's best offensive lineman, um, basically, yeah, I'd argue last year, and definitely this year, has been tackle Andrew Nelson. He's just been the perfectly solid, fundamentally sound offensive lineman that every team hopes to have. He's kind of got a few of five of them. You're going to have one of the best lines in the conference. Um, against Buffalo in the final play of the first half last week. Went down with a knee injury. Franklin says that it's something that he's dealt with for basically his entire collegiate career, Um, and you should be able to bounce back from it. But I've heard a lot of skepticism from people around Happy Valley um, on his ability to play. So in his place, at left tackle is going to be junior college transfer Paris Palmer. Uh, He was the number one JUCO tackle in the country, but he just looked completely out of place against Temple. Um, the inside of the line, there's been a little bit of continuity with um, left guard Derek Dowry, right guard Brian Gaia, and center Angela Mangiro. Then a right tackle, another jersey. Well, is also a jersey, but right tackle is a jersey guy from Randolph, I believe, by the name of Brendan Mahan, former four-star recruit. All the talent in the world kind of earning a new position out at tackle because he played in the interior part of the line. So, I—that's th- the other reason why I'm so concerned about this game. And I, well, if you ask me to pick a score, I have no idea what I'd say because I don't know how this offensive line, without its best lineman, that's been shuffling around and that has spent the last year and a half getting criticized for not being that good, is going to react to you know a night game, a loud environment, a really fast and athletic front seven. That's going to disguise blitzes and things of that nature. So I I I don't even know. I don't think anyone in Happy Valley truly knows what to think of this offensive line. And I think that Rutgers is going to kind of set somewhat some kind of a bar that we're going to be able to use for the rest of the year.
1: Now, um, you know, kind of step away from uh, the football a little bit. Um, I'm going to open up our the the line soon. Nine one four three three eight one six nine four for Rutgers callers, I don't want to call in, or anybody that wants to call in, actually. Sure. Um, 8 o'clock game, you know, a tremendous environment. I'm excited I'm going out there. Um, you know, for people making the trip out there, I just want to talk about the experience and, uh, you know, what what to expect, uh, you know, and, and what are your recommendations even for things that, traditions that you got to make sure you check out or and go, you know, because a lot of people are just going to be there all day. Uh, you know, walking around the lots and just checking out this this
0: yeah. college football environment. Yeah, well, when you think of the stereotypical college town, you think of Happy Valley, you think of State College PA. I mean when you're driving, because you're if you're coming from Jersey, when you're driving in, you're going to drive past a bunch of nothing and then a state penitentiary and then more nothing and then this one hundred and seven thousand seat stadium which is going to pop out out of nowhere and then there's going to be this perfect little college town um definitely if you're going to be making the trip up try and hit up the tailgate lots um have a lot of fun there we 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 do take pride in happy valley and our ability to throw some really good tailgates and i I hope that all the people y'all run into this weekend are going to be kind and receptive to you and i really do Like, I'll apologize in advance if that's not the case. Like, one of my best friends went to Rutgers. He's going to be coming up this weekend. And if anyone's mean to him, that's really going to be disheartening. But definitely, if you can, check out Berkey Creamery. It's on campus. It has some of the best ice cream in the world. Great place to grab a bite to eat. If you're going to go downtown, there are about a million bars you can check out down there. A lot of nice little shopping, a lot of, as we're on campus places, Go look at the uh, Lion Shrine. It's on the other side of campus from where the uh, from where the stadium is, but it's definitely something to check out. And then as for the game, just be loud, be proud, support Rutgers football because uh, there are a few things in State College that we enjoy more, at least a lot of people that I enjoy, know enjoy more, than getting a chance to really communicate and get to know people from another team. Um, of course, there are going to be some bad apples on our side. Ignore them. They are not representative of some of the cool people that you're going to meet out there. And seriously, I hope all y'all have a great time. And just take 10, 20 minutes to just walk around campus. It's a beautiful campus and a beautiful town. And uh, I love this entire place unconditionally, which, you know, makes me sound like an old (laughs) crusty alumnus, but whatever.
1: No, no, it's definitely, uh, I think these are the moments where you, uh, Will appreciate basically being in this conference and, and what it's about. You know, you know, yeah. but, uh, Rutgers. The uh, uh, you know, last year had the trip out to Ohio State, Nebraska. This year, uh, Michigan, um, obviously Penn State and uh, Wisconsin, and, and you know, it's just college football when you think about it. So it definitely is yeah. uh, uh, mentioned. So I definitely I like that 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 shout out to the, the Creamery. I think I read somewhere where. The Ben and Jerry's uh, was yep. actually started. They they took a uh, a course at Penn State, uh, and that's where they got their knowledge to actually go t- take somewhere. Yep. So it must be some good ice cream out there.
0: So and fun fact: like, Ben and Jerry were C students. Uh, you know, yeah. and
1: that's it, it, it works perfectly for the um, C and the ice cream. So that's funny. You know, yeah. one thing if, if we if you look into Curiosity in, you know, obviously the beating that Kyle Flood is taking uh, here um, in in terms of it, it obviously brought on to himself and, and the situation here. Uh, whether or not he survives the season at the end of the season is a whole, you know, another question. But what are your opinions in terms of, um, of Franklin's, I uh, guess, his, I mean, he's stepping into a situation, but. What are the expectations this year for Penn State, and, and where do you think he might get himself into problems if they don't achieve a certain record or they don't, see, I guess, achieve maybe a certain goal? Uh, or do you think he's still in a slight little bit of a honeymoon
0: period? That, that's such a tough question, just because that answer is different for everyone. Like, for me, coming into the season, I thought the schedule set up for 10 wins behind an improved offensive line, which would mean it improved everything else on offense. The defense, while it had to replace a couple of guys, that wasn't going to be too big of an issue because there was just so much talent all over the place. And now, I mean, it, there's a lot of tempering the preseason expectations. Uh, I think, I, barring Penn State losing every game and James Franklin like committing an armed robbery somewhere, I think his job is safe. Um... I would not be surprised if now, I by you didn't the end the armed of the
1: robbery thing, because you're playing Rutgers, did you?
0: No, 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 no. That was just uh, the first <laughs> crime that popped in my head that wasn't murder. But yeah, I do apologize for that. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, just uh, any kind of felony, as long as he doesn't commit a felony, I think he's okay. Um, I, I think that basically the entire defensive staff, their jobs are going to be safe after this year. Uh, The offensive side of the ball, that's the interesting thing, Um, because you have this blue-chip quarterback recruit, someone who when he's gotten the chance to show how good of a football player he is, he's been just stellar. You have all these four-star recruits all over in the skill positions of the offense, and the offensive line, there's some four-star guys and high three-star guys on it, but it also has had a year – to Jalen and an offseason to Jalen door in the system and all that. So if there are a lot of the problems that we saw last year, does that mean the offensive coordinator goes? I don't know. Does that mean maybe the offensive line coach, uh, who also happens to be really the only coach on this coaching staff, um, to ever show that he is really good at his job, does that mean he's out of a job? I'm not sure. Um, I think at this point Penn State just make a bowl game. Um, I think everyone is going to kind of readjust their expectations after this weekend. Um, If Penn state is able to cruise to a, you know, 31 to three win, then I think everyone's going to be back aboard that, uh, that optimism train that we're on earlier this year. If they, you know, slug it out to a 17 to 14 win, I think there's going to be some, uh, some timid people, but generally optimistic and if Rutgers wins at any amount, just because of any, he'd be able to come into the whiteout, and be Penn, well, not a whiteout, to a night game in B-Penn State, there's always going to be some questions asked, especially because Rutgers is going to be missing so many guys that it, it would just be a really weird situation out here. Uh, but, yeah, I think Franklin's safe. I think a bowl game is probably attainable. Um, and if I had to really point my finger at any guy who – wouldn't be around next year if some stuff went wrong. I'd say it's one of the offense coaches, whether it's coordinator or position coach.
1: Great. Well, Bill, I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, why don't you let um, everybody know how they can uh, you know, follow you and, and, and a little bit more of your site. I was reading uh, the preview. uh was pretty good, so I you know, wanted people to uh, check that out if they have the opportunity over the next day or so.
0: Yeah, yeah. I uh, Definitely check out our site, Black Shoe Diaries, uh, it's just www.BlackShoeDiaries.com. As you said at the beginning, member of the SB Nation family of blogs. Um, follow us on Twitter at bsdtweet. Like us on Facebook. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me and tell me how dumb I am and how bad this, how bad of an interview I am, at bflip33. I have thick skin. I promise. Anything you have to say, I will take it just like, just take it on the chin and laugh about it. And of course, if any of you are going to be in a Happy Valley this weekend and want someone to buy you a beer. By all means, get in touch with me. Love to uh, talk to you. Love to get to meet uh, some of our Big Ten brethren out there.
1: Great, thanks again uh, for being on the show, and uh, look forward to uh, touching base in time in the future.
0: Yeah, certainly. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it, man. All right, thanks, man.
1: So, forty-five minutes of uh, talking some football. I hope I uh, provided um, some of you other fans that are listening out there some reprieve to the constant barrage of negative information that was out there uh you know for for i'll, I'll be honest i i'm you know i you know we all this is fun and yeah you know, entertainment for us and uh you know you you know, you sit there you work you have your day job and you, you know or whatever it is you do you work at night or and you know you flip over to this to check out the sites or you check out some information or you or you get tweets or you get in, <laughs> hit up on texts from friends and you're almost scared to see it because you're like, well, you know, what happened now? And, and um, you know, like I said, I tried to you know, have an opportunity to talk a little bit about football because this is an amazing game and for the opportunity to go out there and, and uh, you know, take a team, a Rutgers team who, you know, has a chance. I mean, for those who, uh, you know, I was in school in the, in the 90s and, and you yeah, know, I remember a game where, you know, it, it was relatively close and, and you felt good about it. And uh, of course, you know, the very last game that Rutgers and Penn state played back in, in uh giant stadium. And, uh, you know, you remember that and how those things end. And last year, the fun time that for the most part, until the end of the game, uh, it was just an amazing atmosphere at Rutgers stadium. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to make that trip. And, and it's, it's, it's a great week. And fortunately it's been clouded by a lot of issues. so, thoughts in football, i definitely have to address that uh, you know what has taken place for Rutgers over the last uh, month and if you want to call in, give me your thoughts, the number is nine one four three three eight one six nine four. Uh but really two situations that I you know want to talk in, about is one is is really the the cow flood, uh, suspension, the three game suspension for probably contacting uh, uh, a staff member of the uh academic staff faculty and You know, with that is so many things involved in this situation now. And one of it is, did Kyle Flood compromise what his beliefs are, what his values were? Because one of the things that, that, you know, uh, Rutgers fans, up until, you know, some sporadic little incidents that took place, was that, you know, they had this preaching of of the family and uh, the APR, the Academic Progress Report, and how well they did in terms of the student-athletes. And all of a sudden, a lot of that has changed, and perception is everything. And we are now dealing with bad press all over the place. And we can talk about this as a secondary discussion about the Negativity in the local media, but the bottom line is, if guys are 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 involved in home invasions and are involved in issues, that's that's bad news. No matter how you want to cover it, it, it is it is a bad headline. To put this into perspective, uh, I actually didn't have a chance to to bring this up to Sam because a couple of weeks ago he brought up uh, he had a very good answer uh, to a question I had a, when when the first group of players were suspended when Andre Boggs, the cornerback, starting cornerback, was suspended. And I remember Flood was sending the email to find about the cornerback Nadir Barnwell. Now we see how poor Rutgers secondary is in terms of playing these young freshmen. The importance of players like Barnwell being on the field, it's very it's not a stress to say they win last week if Nadir Barnwell, a junior who had a body and was showing the potential of an NFL player, was on the field. And when you think about that, you kind of see the desperation or the potential. And I don't want to say desperation; it isn't the right word. But the potential of bending some of the ideals you have to step off and send an email from a source that is not the correct, unless the personal email, because you don't want to lose a player like Barnwell, because a player like Barnwell will help you win games. And that's the bottom line: is that Kyle Flood may have bended some of his personal ideals to win games. And it sounds a little bit far-fetched when you think about how we've been pitching themselves and how their program has been pitched. But the bottom line is, it was clearly improper. And when you do something like that, you know it's incorrect when it's taking place. Why do you send it from a personal email? So in that concept, when I asked Sam, I said, you know, we had all these injuries, all these arrests, and all of these were based around a group of players in the secondary at one particular position, why is it all concentrated in on the one there? And he brought up a good point where we got to rewind to 2012 when Rutgers had a Logan Ryan, when Rutgers had Marcus Cooper and Dewan Harmon, and all these guys that left the pro, left the program, go on to the NFL successful guys. And what came in after, there was a lot of turmoil with those young players. Remember the Ian Thomas uh, leaving the program, and Rutgers was very thin. And is there a possibility that there were some red flags with players, I don't know, the same as hypothetically like a Boggs, like a Darren uh, Daly, who was uh, arrested in the spring break of last year. Were there red flags with these players that were overlooked because of the need to get these players on the field to better the team? And in that case, once you do that, you play the numbers, right? You have 100 players on your team. And if you have five guys with red flags, you can kind of keep yourself around them and give them the support they need to stay straight, right? But if you grow that number to 10 to 15, the probabilities of things going wrong happens, and is Drucker now dealing with that? I don't know the answer, but definitely Flood made a decision to improperly or to, to bend the ideals that he has when he sent that note, which he had to know. And we all know whatever job you're in, that there's certain things you cannot do that are not part of the procedure and that's the bottom line. So now we're in a situation where it becomes he's going to be judged by the wins and losses and what happens for the rest of the season. Now, suspended for three games, I think it's probably a, a fair a fair punishment given the fact what has gone on around the program over the last two weeks. There is no way he could just get a slap on the wrist. So I think a three-game suspension is probably fair. Now, if you tell me in an isolated situation, I would say no. He broke He the broke procedure, He's suspended for a game. He's punished. That's actually a pretty big deal. But in the situation where we had all these arrests around the last two or three weeks, it probably is the proper punishment. Now, what I find interesting is how so many people are calling for him to be fired, and I think that's where it gets a little bit out of control, because bottom line is uh, show me a situation anywhere in college football where a coach gets fired for something like this and dealing. I mean, you never want to condone something, but let's look at what happened in UNC, North Carolina, the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, one of, it's a tremendous institution where there was basically widespread cheating going on, and Not one person has basically lost a job and fired or even suspended. Bottom line, and that's it. You know, some of the people involved are not in the program anymore, but no one was held accountable for that. It's a story that went out there, and quite frankly, I don't even think people know about it. Rutgers does this, and it's all over the place. But why? Because they're in the Big Ten, and they're in the media market that is in New York area, and the story will become expanded and grown. Now, if you're a Rutgers man, you can't really complain about that because the bottom line is that is the reason why they're in the Big Ten, because of the potential of bringing in the media in this market. So you can't have it both ways. You can't get brought into the Big Ten because of the, primarily because of the fact you are in this media center and then complain when little things get blown out because it's an easy story. It's an easy story. For the guy at Yahoo, the guy at USA Today, the guy in the Wall Street Journal to just take the story, blow it up, and they know they're going to get a lot of readers from this area to click on it and give themselves uh, attention. And that's the bottom line. So I think we have two situations in that definitely there's the flood coaching situation will play itself out during the year. And if they lose games like last week or they lose games like this week, games that they should potentially have a chance to win and they miss a bowl game, then there's an opportunity that he doesn't have a job. But he's not going to be fired for what he did uh, in terms of the email. So I definitely welcome the discussion. Hopefully maybe next week we'll have this where we know a little bit of talk about the contentiousness of the local media and the almost ability for the NJ.com and the Star Ledgers out there to just prod and prod their fans and face. And I don't really understand it in in a larger context where you know we look at... One of the things I love about the Big Ten Network is how it promotes its product. It does a great job of, of, of making you turn on the TV and want to watch it. And when you look at NJ.com and what they're doing, it, they they want to see the program fail so that they can get negative headlines and bring people for the quick click. But in the long term... What differentiates Rutgers and say other programs that are more established is they don't owe much to Rutgers because Rutgers has never been their meal ticket, basically. But if they cultivated an actual readership that would want to actually look forward to going and checking nj. dot com for positive articles and positive uh, uh, newspaper clippings. And perhaps they actually create an audience, and, and it's, but instead they go for the short term click and the short term, the short term shock and awe headline. So it, it's an interesting discussion. So we hope to have that. But for those that are heading to the game, like me, I'm, I'm excited. It's going to be a Big Ten Network game, eight o'clock game, a night game. There's actually going to be what's called a stripe out instead of a white out. Uh, we're going to see white and blue. It's going to be an amazing atmosphere. And for those fans that are on the fence about anything Rutgers. I mean, bottom line is there's a ton of potential in this program. The team could play with these teams, and when they get the opportunity to bring in potentially the right coach, who could bring some of these players, top players in the state that will stay home and compete, the potential of the program is there and you still see it. So stay strong if you're having any issues and watch the game and hopefully – these guys who are not in – 95% of these guys are, have no issues, and they're out there going to give it all and and potentially surprise a bunch of people on Saturday. So check it out, Big Ten Network, 8 p.m., Rutgers-Penn State, and in, you know one of the greatest uh, college football environments that there is out there. So this is R.G. Fangenet. We'll talk again uh, next week, and um, look forward to uh, talking about a hopefully positive outcome in Happy Valley. Thanks.